All he did was almost record double-digit sacks. Steps up in the pocket and it goes down. Guess who? Aiden Hutchinson. Here's a guy who has the work ethic and the talent. Now Willis taking a shot for the end zone and it's caught. First of all, I think Malik Willis from Liberty and Kenny Pickett from Pitt may even be gone by the time they pick at 50. Welcome into another edition of First Draft. Always look forward to talking to Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. I am Field Yates. Todd, happy Thursday to you. What's going on, my friend? Not much, man. Just just happy to be here. Excited about, you know, all these, these updated rankings and everything coming off the, the Senior Bowl. It was an unbelievable week in Mobile and more, more first, second, third rounders than I can remember in a long time of covering the game. Can't wait to hear and see how all those players impact their draft status after the week in Mobile. Todd, excuse me, Mel Kuyper Jr., what's going on, my friend? You were not down in Mobile, but of course, you had a close look at the practices all week in the game on Saturday. Exactly. A lot of uh, changes. Todd's already going to make those. I'll do that in another week or so. And then the mock draft start. We've already done a few early, but it's going to be changing. And obviously now we look forward to the combine workout where you get accurate measurables on players. And we don't even know what their height, weight, and speed are and their overall uh, test numbers. So that's going to be really interesting in early March to finalize that, get those numbers, lock them in. And then you can really, I think, secure final rankings moving forward into those pro days. All right. So let's move on from rankings to a specific team here. So this past week, I know, Todd, when you were at the Senior Bowl, you had a chance to observe Mike Tomlin coaching on the field. I want to ask, about, ask you about that in a second. But to set the scene here, Pittsburgh, they have the 18th pick in the draft, the 20th pick in the draft, excuse me. They also, as of right now, have one quarterback under contract for next year in Mason Rudolph that has taken any meaningful snaps for them. Otherwise, they're kind of staring at a rather barren cabinet. Uh, tell me about Mike Tomlin and what you observed watching him coach or observe practice last week. And then let's talk about what yep. you think might be the perfect plan of attack for them at the quarterback spot this offseason. Yeah, I've been going to the Senior Bowl for 23 years. So, you know, with all that time there, you, you get used to different coaches and GMs and what their habits are. Are they up in the booth? Or are they in the, you know, in the stands? Are they on the field? And Tomlin's always one of those guys who's kind of, I call it hands-on. You know, he's, he's watching, and he's like five yards away from offensive linemen, defensive linemen drills. Spends a lot of time with the defensive backs and, and basically on the defensive side. This year, and Kevin Colbert, the general manager, is always on the field as well. Those two are. But, and they're together at times, and then they'll split up and look at different parts of practice. This year, it was, fun, it was interesting to watch because Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert, uh, they would start the practice out, especially, you know, the, the individual drills early on. They would be with the defensive linemen and, and looking on the defensive side. The second it got to competitive drills, like seven-on-sevens, uh, you know, team, team drills, they, those two would walk in unison. And they were by each other's side the entire practice, from, from the very first snap to the very last snap of practice. They were by each other's side, but they would walk over and be studying the quarterbacks the rest of the practice. So if it was a two-hour practice, it was probably 20 minutes on the defensive side. When things started to heat up, the other hour and 40 minutes were on the quarterbacks. And it was, it was interesting to see, because remember, too, this is Colbert's last draft. And he obviously, with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, and winning two Super Bowls, winning 252 games, he's retiring after this draft in 22 years, what he's done with that, that organization. But he still wants to leave a legacy. He wants to, to be able to draft the next guy that can be there for another 10-plus years. And so you, it was cool to see those two studying Malik Willis from Liberty, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Sam Howell uh, from North Carolina, really diving into those guys to try to figure out, all right, we're picking at 20. 
Which one of these guys, if it's not Matt Corral from Ole Miss, is the only one of the, the top four quarterbacks that wasn't in Mobile this past week? If it's going to be one of these guys, let's make sure that we see every single competitive snap that we need to see out of them to get the most information we can get. Now they better figure it out because you got Joe Burrow's not going away. He's in a Super Bowl, right? Well, Baker Mayfield was banged yep. up all year, injured significantly. He's going to be a lot better like he was two years ago when he was a really good quarterback. People forget that. Baker Mayfield was a really good quarterback two years ago when he was healthy. And then you got Lamar Jackson, who was a really good quarterback, an MVP quarterback before he had issues. And the team had a gazillion injuries, right? So this is a division. You're fourth. You're locked in at four at quarterback, right? You can't win anything being four. Denver found that out. You can't be the fourth best team at quarterback in your division. And they're fourth by miles, okay, now with Big Ben gone. So what do you do? Do you go after one of these quarterbacks? Are we excited about any of these quarterbacks? I had Matt Corral going there in Mach 1.0. Had Kenny Pickett going a little earlier. I had Malik Willis at 11 to Washington, right? So are they excited enough about one of those quarterbacks, or do they make a move for Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, give up a second? They don't have a lot of picks this year. What do they have, six? Okay, no five, no six. So think about giving up a two. For Jimmy G, does Washington give up a two for Jimmy G? Is going to be some activity there? So do you feel it's better to get Jimmy Garoppolo or draft one of these quarterbacks? We'll have to wait and see how it all shakes down. It's going to be really interesting to see how Pittsburgh, the Steelers, attack it because they, they can't be – they know what they need. You're right, Todd. They had to be aggressively looking at these quarterbacks because they know the three young guns that are in this division are not going away. Worth noting that ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the draft order, we have teams like Washington at pick 11. We have teams in the top 10 like Carolina at 6 and Atlanta at 8 that maybe will be in that quarterback market, plus the New Orleans Saints at pick number 18, who as of right now do not have Jameis Winston under contract. Should be a fascinating offseason for Pittsburgh. Mike Tannenbaum has joked on a couple of occasions that if they do draft Kenny Pickett, he'd have the shortest commute from his college campus to his pro career ever because Pitt obviously played at Heinz Field. Uh, Todd, do you feel like there's a draft prospect amongst those top quarterbacks that is best suited for Pittsburgh, factoring in the kind of offense they play with Ben Roethlisberger and where they're at right now as a franchise? I think Malik Willis is the most intriguing of them. I don't know that he's going to get to pick 20. In fact, I, I would bet against it. Uh, but I, I could see them – you know, Roethlisberger early in his career, a lot more mobile and extending plays, but it was never really, you know, the quarterback run involved in it. I could see them kind of going all in on what they already have and trying to enhance that. And that is great defense, a really strong run game, and now a quarterback with Malik Willis or even Matt Corral for that, for that sake – uh, coming in, and now we, we get a numbers game advantage if the quarterback is willing and effective as a runner. And so, you know, some of the, the RPOs and some of the zone uh, scheme options that they could have could really wind up benefiting them. And they could become you know, a little bit like, like Baltimore, especially earlier in Lamar's career, where just absolutely living and dying on the run game and then occasionally, you know, popping a big one, throwing the ball down the field. So I think Malik Willis, for some reason, to me, that seems like the best fit. Matt Corral could be a really good fit. Obviously, Kenny Pickett is, is the hometown guy and, and would make some sense. But I, it wouldn't surprise me with their defense and run game if they wanted to get more of a mobile quarterback that can come in so they can completely lean in on what they already have as a team strength.
Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, Todd, because the difference of a Jimmy Garoppolo, if you say if you want to trade for him, your offense is going to be a lot different than it would be with, say, Malik Willis. And mm. the blueprints there, Lamar Jackson, no what Josh Allen's doing in Buffalo, is this dual-threat superstar quarterback. They have the blueprint for success with Josh in Buffalo and certainly Lamar in Baltimore. But then they also have, do we want the pocket guy? Do we still want to go traditional? It's going to be really fun to see because this offense will be dictated in terms of scheme and what they're trying to do and attack defenses with by what type of quarterback they get. And they're all different, and they're all over the place here. Jimmy G's a lot different. Pickett's different. Obviously, Matt Corral. we got Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell. It's going to be really fun to see whether Pittsburgh sits at 20. As you said, they're not going to get that quarterback that they love at 20. They're going to have to move up aggressively. Do they have the draft capital to do it? Doesn't look like they do. Boy, what, when we're talking in early May, who that quarterback is that they identified, we don't know what it is. It's a mystery right now. We're not psychics. We can't tell you, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they attack that quarterback position and close that gap between where they are right now and where those other three teams are. Yeah, the Steelers are doing something for the first time in 18 years. They're looking for a quarterback. This is not exactly uncharted territory, but it's been a while since Pittsburgh had a question mark under center. Great stuff, as always, from Todd and Mel. First draft continues after this, but Mel and Todd are back on Monday for our usual live show. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. We're going to get as much coverage out of the Senior Bowl as we can as we move forward here on First Draft. And we bring back a familiar face. Great to have him as a regular, not just on First Draft, but also all across ESPN platforms. His name is Jordan Reed. He's our newest ESPN NFL draft analyst. Jordan, at one point, do I have to stop referring to you as the newest NFL draft analyst at ESPN? Have we crossed that threshold? Uh, I think we're getting close. Um, okay. I'm still I'm still the rookie in the group right now, trying to keep McShay and Kuiper from tearing each other's head apart. So, <laughs> but like I always say, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you're like a, not just an NFL draft analyst, but you're like a mediator as well, right? We make sure that Todd, 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 and Mel can uh, keep their <laughs> peace amongst them. But it's great to have you with us once again. Go find Jordan on Twitter, Jordan underscore Reed. It's R E I D. Not the former NFL tight end. Don't confuse the two of them. Although he was a very good player in his own right, he was a quarterback. So if we ever had an ESPN seven-on-seven tournament, I would be drafting you with my first overall pick. Uh, You were down in Mobile, Alabama last week for the Senior Bowl, and we've talked about it a bunch with Todd and Mel, but always good to hear a variety of different voices because – That's part of what makes scouting unique is that the best front offices typically aren't the ones that are filled with a bunch of yes men. They're about uh, people that find middle ground while 
uh, soliciting opinions that may not necessarily be the same. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions from the Senior Bowl to kind of wrap up our coverage for what was a great week. And I'll start by, we talked to you last week after a couple of days of practice. So as best you can, if you can try to sort of imagine what you said and then what may have changed from Thursday of last week to Thursday of this week. Is there anybody that made a late charge during the week at the Senior Bowl or played particularly well in the game that all of a sudden has your attention a bit more this week than last? Well, I think it's the defensive lineman. I think on each team, both the national and the American team, I think both teams dominated on the defensive line. And Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida State, is a name that you'll hear a lot. I think he springboarded himself probably in the top 15 to top 20 range, and he could go even higher with a successful combine. And he kind of straddled the line of being a late first, early second round type of player going into the event. But he springboarded himself into that top 15 type of player. I had him going with the 15th overall selection to the Philadelphia Eagles in my latest mock draft. So that just goes to show you that there's a lot of high opinions about him and just the power, the strength, and just the repertoire of moves that he was able to show throughout the week. And then just staying along the defensive line, Travis Jones from UConn, Six foot four, 326 pounds he came in as, and he was phenomenal throughout the week. And there's a lot of teams that are in search of those interior defensive linemen just because the last the last few draft classes really haven't been strong along the interior defensive line. I think Christian Barmore was the first defensive lineman from the interior selected, and I think he went with the 44th overall selection somewhere early second round, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. to the Patriots. So this interior defensive line class, I think it helped himself a lot, a lot. On a mobile name I want to mention is Perion Winfrey from Oklahoma, who helped himself a ton. He was, of course, named the Senior Bowl MVP, a strong week, a strong finish to the week for him. I don't want to be the podcast that typically or perpetually is trying to tear prospects down. That's not what we're doing, but we have to be objective, too. Is there anybody that you went to the week in Mobile thinking a certain way of that now you have more questions than answers about that prospect. I know the quarterbacks are always going to be a talking point, but it doesn't have to be a quarterback. Is there anybody that stands out to you that, hey, the pro, the pro day and the combine are going to be particularly impactful for that, pro, for that player? Well, it actually was a quarterback for me. It was Carson Strong from Nevada, and mm-hmm. the arm strength really jumps out from him and I think him and Malik Willis by far had the strongest arms at the event but his accuracy was really scattershot throughout the week and he drove the ball great during the Wednesday practice when it was in the rain but he really did struggle with this accuracy and they were just throwing routes on air and he kind of was just selling it over their heads so I think he he was just trying to do a little bit too much trying to show off his arm strength I think and he kind of sacrificed his accuracy quite a bit so I want to see him be a little bit more consistent we'll see when his pro day is I don't think Nevada's officially came out with their date for the pro day yet so I want to see him be a little bit better in that aspect and then of course the medical situation with him that's always going to be the big question mark with his knee surrounding his draft perspective so Carson Strong was one name I, I was a little bit underwhelmed by just his accuracy yeah, just by the way, an aside that's sort of inside baseball here, but of the pro days that have been announced, we have some conflicts already as Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral <clears throat> have the same pro day at March 24th for both Ole Miss and Cincinnati. I believe Malik Willis and Liberty on that same day. So three of the top quarterbacks in a very open field in terms of that QB1 contest have the same pro day. I don't know if well, you know what's going to happen now, Jordan, is Whichever teams go to a particular pro day, we're going to read too much into that, right? So if, for example, the Washington Commanders are at Liberty on that day or the Pittsburgh Steelers are down at Ole Miss on that day, we're going to be saying, whoa, are the Steelers investing in that crowd with their first overall pick number 20, which we discussed just a few minutes ago with Mel and Todd. 
The quarterbacks, though, I, I, I think we're going to keep hammering them almost every show until we get to the draft process. I thought one of the most instructive things about last year's Senior Bowl, the 2021 Senior Bowl, was that we had one player of the six quarterbacks, Mac Jones, who went in the first round, and it was obvious that this is what a starting quarterback looks like in the NFL. And the other players, guys like Sam Ellinger and Ian Book and Felipe Franks, uh, those are guys who were probably best suited at least to begin their career and maybe for much of their career to be number two or number three slash developmental type quarterbacks. As you sort of assess this year's field, did it feel as though the top was much more closely knit? And if so, or if not, who emerged as your number one quarterback just based off senior bowl week evaluation alone? Yeah, I mean, going into the event, Malik Willis was actually my top guy going in. It was between him and Kenny Pickett. Both of those guys were sitting at the top of my rankings. And I think Willis probably had the best day of any of the quarterbacks on Wednesday. And that was the rainy practice of where it was just a downpour on and off during both practices. But I thought his arm strength did not waver at all. And then his accuracy probably was the best in the rain of any of the group. And Pickett did struggle to drive the ball a little bit. He did take the glove off of his non-throwing hand. So he did have it on his right hand during practice that day. And he did struggle. He did sell some passes over the middle during the seven on seven period. And there were some other times where he did struggle to drive the ball in the rain. So that's always going to be a big narrative surrounding his drive perspectives. We've already heard about the hand size and then other variables that come along with that. But he did play in pit, and this is something that we talked about during the last podcast. It wasn't a situation of where he just played in sunny Florida his entire career. So he's used to playing in bad weather, but it's always going to be something that is going to be talked about in draft rooms and then in the media too. But I think Malik Willis looked the best of all of the quarterbacks, and Sam Howell and Ritter were steady. They got better as the event went along, and I've talked about Strong already. I think his accuracy was just all over the place, and then Zappi had a really good day on Thursday when practice moved indoors. So I think of all the quarterbacks, of course, Willis looked the best of the bunch, but last year's class was just so special. And I think that's what's so different about yeah. this class. There isn't that one guy that just jumps out that is quarterback one. Like even going back three years ago with Kyler Murray, the year after that with Joe Burrow, and then last year with Trevor Lawrence, we knew like, hey, this guy right here is QB1. I don't think any guy has really stood out in this class. And that's what makes this quarterback class so polarizing. It's interesting to ask this question because it kind of contradicts itself. But last year when I left Mobile, all the chatter was, Wow, the Carolina Panthers, who own the number eight overall pick, and this was before the Sam Darnold trade, they're going to take Mac Jones. They had a great week coaching him. He certainly checked all the boxes. He was the best player on the field in many regards, uh, certainly amongst the quarterbacks, at least. And the need was too clear, obvious, apparent. Joe Brady had at least seen some exposure to him during his time at LS. You know, that Mac, you know, Mac's great year came when Joe Brady was in Carolina, but still, you get it. There was enough familiarity, enough alignment that it just seemed too obvious not to happen. It didn't happen. And obviously the Carolina Panthers ended up having Sam Darnold and Cam Newton. Perhaps they should have taken Mac Jones last year, who went on to a very successful season. But this year, is there a player that, based off the two coaching staffs there, the New York Jets, who own the fourth pick, and also the Detroit Lions, who own the second pick in the draft, that you're saying to yourself, all right, the buzz is that the Lions need to take this guy or the Jets need to find a way uh, to fit this player onto their roster based off of the way that the coaches and the players are interacting this past week. Well, somebody asked them. I forgot who it was directly. The Detroit Lions, they asked Dan Campbell directly, like, how do you feel about Malik Willis? And he kind of was a little bit coy about it just because he doesn't want to reveal his hand. At number two overall, I don't think they're going to select a quarterback. I think they'll take either one of the defensive ends. If Evan Neal or Kim Aquanu, whoever it is, goes number one overall, 
Or if the Jaguars select a defensive end, there's a lot of different directions that they could go. I think anything's in play there outside of quarterback. So with Dan Campbell, he kind of played it coy, but I thought it was a really good question to ask him, especially with we know Jared Goff probably isn't a long term solution there. They're going to be looking for a young guy, whether it's this year or next. So I thought it was interesting that they got the opportunity to coach Malik Willis. And maybe you start to hear him going number two overall. I don't think it's going to happen. Me personally, I think they're going to take one of the defensive ends at number two overall. But I just thought it was a really interesting question. Yeah, that is interesting. And they, of course, own another number another number one uh, pick, a first-round pick that will be either 31 or 32, depending on the result of Sunday's Super Bowl. It was part of the Matthew Stafford trade. And worth noting, they also have next year's first from uh, the Rams. So, like, I know that teams have different valuations for picks when they know what pick it'll be. But if anybody has the resources in terms of draft capital to move up or down, well, I guess there are others as well, like the Giants, but uh, you know the, the Lions are very well equipped to make a move up the board if they feel like number two is too high for somebody like Malik Willis, but number 31 or 32 is just too low, especially with teams like Washington and Pittsburgh and a few others that have a clear quarterback need, at least as of right now. Um, as we look at some other players that just sort of, is there anybody that like, if you were to say, I want to empty the notebook here things that I just have to get off my chest from the senior bowl. Anything come to mind for you that like the people need to know this that I saw last week in Mobile? Yeah, there's two players that really stood out to me. And the first one is Damian Pierce, the running back from Florida. And he was really underutilized. Dan Mullen didn't use him a whole bunch at Florida. Everybody I talked to said it was just a coaching decision and they thought they had some better players than him in the rotation. But he showed everything that you wanted to see out of a running back. I think he'll probably end up going third or fourth round. Very strong runner. Excellent in pass protection. I thought he was the best pass protection back of any of them there in Mobile. Has really good hands out of the backfield, too. So Damian Pierce from Florida, I think, is a really underrated player. And oh, I want to add two players, actually. The, the, the next is Christian Watson from North Dakota State, who's a wide receiver. He was six foot four, 211 pounds. And the thing you worry about with these small school prospects is how are they going to fit in with the game speed? Is it going to take some time to adjust? Will they finally get it on Wednesday and Thursday? When Just when will the light turn on for them? Mm-hmm. And I don't think the game speed negatively, negatively affected Christian Watson at all. And he was a star from day one to day three of practice. He used his frame and he's really, really athletic for how big he is. And I really liked what I saw from him. He caught everything in the red zone period on Thursday. And then in the open field segments during Tuesday and Wednesday's practice, I thought he was phenomenal too. So I think he's a player that could go late second, early third. I think that's probably a fair range for him. He helped his stock significantly. But the player that I was blown away by the most was Baylor safety Jalen Petrie. Mm -hmm. And he's a player that was in Matt Rule's first recruiting class at Baylor. So he experienced some really bad years. I think the first year he was there, they went like one and 11. And then last year we saw they finished with a top 10 ranking. They had a big win in the bowl game last year or this past season over Ole Miss. So he's seen the bottom of the barrel as far as teams. And then also he's been at the top, was a team captain last year too when Dave Aranda took over. And he played that famous star position that we've seen in that Dave Aranda defense going back to his days at LSU. So he's a player that really didn't play a whole bunch of what I like to call on the roof as a safety. He probably primarily was the low guy and he's just making a bunch of tackles around the line of scrimmage. So the big question mark about him entering Mobile was just how good was he in coverage? And he was outstanding in coverage. He's a loose mover, fantastic ball skills. I was just blown away by Jalen Petrie from Baylor. 
I like that on the roof. I love when we can introduce these new scouting terms to those that are listening and maybe not as familiar. It's like a Rosetta Stone. Listening to Jordan Reed is like taking your football scouting <laughs> Rosetta Stone class. You get to do it for free here on First Draft. Let's look ahead. We've got upcoming, we have the combine. Some questions about how the combine will look. We're going to have a combine. I just don't know if it'll be quite the same event it has been uh, in previous years because of COVID-19, the lingering impact of that. We're hopeful that it's the same. I am saying this now because I don't know for certain it will be. We also have pro days, which I mentioned a couple of the quarterback dates have been announced. We're going to have private workouts this year. We're going to have uh, they're going to have pre-draft visits. Each team has allotted 30 pre-draft visits to any players they choose. Uh, I'm assuming those will be in person again this year after Zoom the past couple of years. So if you were to say the three questions that you want answered most in the next two and a half months before the draft begins, are there three that comes to mind? Is there one that comes to mind? Are there none that come to mind? What do you have your eyes on over these next couple of months? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Just the shuffling of the quarterbacks and where these guys are really going to go, specifically Matt Corral. I think an interesting thing about Matt Corral is that five of the top six projected quarterbacks we've already seen in Mobile. All those guys were able to participate at the Senior Bowl, but you could say a big positive for Matt Corral is that he didn't play in the senior bowl just because mm. he wasn't able to show some of the chinks in his armor or he just wasn't able to go out there just because he didn't graduate. So he wasn't eligible for the senior bowl. So how healthy is Matt Corral coming off of the ankle injury against Baylor in the bowl game? I think that's a big question mark that a lot of people want answered. So Matt Corral is one player that I'll definitely have my eyes on. And then just some of the players that we really haven't seen a whole bunch. Kayvon Thibodeau, there's going to be a lot of question marks surrounding him. You've seen some of the things that have come out about him. I haven't heard any of that stuff, but I'm really interested to the these interview sessions as far as at the podium. I really love seeing these guys talk. You get a feel for just how much presence that they have at the microphone. You get a feel for some of their personalities as well. I think that's something that Joe Burrow was able to master of how he just could command a room. You see all these cameras around him, reporters asking him questions. And I just thought he was just, he was cool, just like how Joe always is. So I think the the podium sessions, that's something that I always look forward to at the Combine. Yeah, I agree. And you can see some of the flavor from these athletes, guys who, 
it's not that they didn't have a chance to speak uh, during college, but there are, you know, various platforms, whether you play, you know, University of Texas, it's, it's like playing for an NFL team, right? You play for a smaller school where there isn't as much coverage and we don't really know that much about you as of yet. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of these guys behind the microphone and a lot to decide and determine between now and the NFL draft, which is about 12, 13 weeks away. Math is not my strong suit. I can just tell you it takes place in late April. But the good news is if you have any questions or any sort of information you want to glean about the NFL draft between now and the time it begins, keep continuing to subscribe and listen to First Draft Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays are a live show, 2 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, the ESPN app, you name it. And a lot more from Jordan Reed. One more time, Jordan underscore Reed. That's R-E-I-D. Jordan, you have great information. You have tons more forthcoming over the next few weeks. You have a two-round mock draft that is available now on ESPN.com. How did you feel about that? Did you feel like you uh, pretty much nailed every pick? Yeah, hopefully okay. so. The feedback okay. is always great from every fan base. I was going to say, don't <laughs> read the comments, man. Don't read the comments. Do yourself a favor, especially on those mock drafts, which are one of my favorite exercises, even if they sometimes rile up the fans in the ways that we don't want. Jordan, you're a good man. We appreciate you as always. We'll talk to you again, I'm sure, on First Draft. In the meantime, we'll be reading, listening, and watching to you, watching you all over ESPN. Absolutely. Thanks as always, Phil. Great stuff from Jordan Reed. Continue to listen to First Draft wherever you get your podcast and Mondays live, 2 p.m. Eastern time.